one of my favorite moments at Ed Surge so far happened back just in the spring. A couple of weeks after lynda.com was purchased by LinkedIn, Linda Weidman and her co-founder, Bruce Haven, stopped by to chat with us about the deal. I got to meet the Linda of lynda.com. Me, I got to meet her. You got to meet her. Yeah, there's no question that the best part of hosting a podcast is speaking with all of the fascinating guests that we have on the show. From newly minted edtech billionaires to your everyday students and teachers, podcasters get the chance to hear from people all over the country. So this week, we spoke with three of those podcasters. We asked them what they've been hearing from their guests and what they think will be the big trends of the upcoming school year, which for many of you started this week. All that plus our weekly roundup of the EdTech News coming up. I'm Michael Winters. And I'm Mary Jamata. Welcome to the EdSearch Podcast. Let's get started. Last year, teacher and frequent EdSurge contributor Carrie Gallagher proposed a number of EdTech strategies for the new school year, from harnessing the power of social networks to getting students to publish work online. So we asked her to do the same again this year, but she took things in a bit of a different direction, this time sharing the four types of EdTech tools that pioneering educators like herself are most stoked about. They are, number one, Open educational resources or high-quality, open-licensed education materials that you can find online. Two, formative assessment with live analytics that you can see while in class. Three, paperless workflow. And four, collaborative, real-time learning. So think back-channeling, where students are having a conversation about, say, carnivores while a teacher is lecturing about food chains. Last week, we found out that News Corp will be selling Amplify. This week, we discovered that the first piece of Amplify has already been sold. Back in July, Amplify sold its computer science MOOC to an undisclosed group of buyers for an undisclosed amount of money. That company now has its own name, Adhesive. According to Adhesive's CEO, Emily Grad, Amplify wasn't in a position to grow the MOOC despite the program's early traction. As an independent company, Adhesive is planning to expand its computer science offerings and create additional courses for other AP classes. And just to double check, Michael, for those of us that don't know, what exactly is a MOOC? A MOOC is a massively open online course. Fantastic. So we talk about entrepreneurs and we talk about teachers here at EdSurge, but parents, we've got some thoughts for you this week. EdSurge columnist Patricia Brown offered eight questions that you can ask your child's school. When it comes to ed tech, you want to know about everything from goals to coding curriculum. Let your voice be heard. The first two questions that she recommends asking are, what technology goals does the school have this year? And how does the school or district communicate with parents in the community? For the other six questions, check out edsurge.com. Hey, administrators and teachers, is your school's IT department calling the shots now? Dropbox's Ben Stern says that it is. In a recent EdSurge article, Stern observes that the school IT team is driving big purchasing decisions that can impact everything from user experience to learning outcomes. For you entrepreneurs, Stern says that in his customer research, he's seen that these IT leaders want unbundled EdTech products, and they want products that are easy to use. Otherwise, the people they set up tools for, meaning the teachers and the students, just end up using some other free alternative online. And that, my friends, means that money spent on clunky products gets wasted. Now for this next piece of news, Michael, have you heard of learning styles? 
Uh, yeah, you mean like someone who says they're a visual learner or mm -hmm. me, I'm an auditory learner? Right, or kinesthetic, visual, auditory. It's basically the idea that people have preferences on how they receive information. And if you tailor instruction to each person's preference, they'll theoretically learn it better. But research does not always support the effectiveness of learning style-based interventions, argues Paula Moran, who's currently senior instructional designer for the Chevron Federal Credit Union. Moreover, she says schools should be wary of companies that sell tools that are, quote, made with learning styles in mind, unquote. There is a small chance that learning styles are effective, she says, but instead of taking a risk with those learning style vendors, she recommends that you spend your limited educational resources on methods that are proven to be effective, like scaffolding instruction and making analogies. And now it's time for kachings. The EdCamp Foundation has received a $2 million grant from the Gates Foundation. This money will be spent in a variety of ways, including training for EdCamp facilitators and grants for teachers to explore the ideas that they learn from EdCamps. Mary Jo and I are both really excited about that fundraise. Yes, we are. Blackboard has made another acquisition, purchasing Colombian company Nivel Siete, which provides software support and services for Latin American users of Moodle. Terms of the deal, which is Blackboard's 11th since the start of 2014, were not disclosed. Congrats to them and all of the other companies who raised money this week. And really big congrats to the EdCamp Foundation. We actually just hosted our second annual EdSurge EdCamp at the Edmodo offices last night, which was pretty exciting. A lot of fun. We are so thrilled that they've got the money now to hire some staff and try out some new initiatives. If you haven't gone and checked out an EdCamp, we definitely recommend it. Okay, so for this week's deep dive, we're going to stick with podcasting. Well, sort of. See, one of our favorite parts about hosting this podcast is the awesome education thinkers and trendsetters that we get to talk to. Matt Candler from 4.0 Schools was on last week. Ned Kirsch, a superintendent in Vermont, was on a couple of months ago. We got to talk to Linda and Bruce of lynda.com. I mentioned yes, that already. That was so exciting. We did. And we were really excited when we got to chat with three people this week who are making great education podcasts right now. And since they spend even more time than we do talking to teachers and administrators for their shows, we wanted to ask them about what they're hearing from their guests. What trends or tools are people most excited about for the upcoming school year? And I have to admit, their first answer made me very, very happy. The rise of the ed camp is still rising. You know, ed camps are five years old at this point, six years old, I think it is. And it's still getting bigger and bigger. Ed camps. <laughs> Mary Jo loves ed camps. I do. It is not a secret. It's an ed camp podcast today. The, the first podcaster here is Jeff Bradbury. And when we recorded this interview a couple of months ago, he was transitioning into a new role. Uh, I am currently the director of orchestras in North Brunswick Township High School and looking forward uh, next fall to starting a new job as the uh, coordinator of technology integration for Westwood School District in oh. North Jersey. Um, also the creator of the TeacherCast Educational Broadcasting Network. And Jeff, like me, is super excited about EdCamps. But what was interesting is why he is so excited. To Jeff, you can be in an EdCamp without actually physically being at an EdCamp. You know, we, we use the term ed camp as an event that happens on a Saturday. I use the term ed camp or unconference as 
I'm taking control of my personal learning. And that could be a podcast. That could be watching a YouTube video. That could be having a conversation on a great app such as Voxer or Twitter or, you know, that is an ed camp session just as much as five people in a room crammed into student level desks and talking about Minecraft. <laughs> you and I right now, you asking me questions, that's ed camp. That's an unconference. That's, I want to learn something, so I'm going to go out and find the information myself. I don't want to sit through a three-hour class on STEM education if I'm not a STEM teacher. I want to find the content that I want, when I want, and how I want it. I love that. EdCamp is more a state of mind than a three-hour event on a Saturday. That's great. Exactly. It's an absolutely wonderful way to build your PLN, which stands for Professional Learning Network. And, Jeff predicts, those EdCamps are just going to keep growing. And while you may not see 700 people at a single ed camp anymore, you will see lots and lots of smaller ed camps. An ed camp just for music teachers, for librarians, or just for teachers who are running student blogs, whatever you want. Right. And speaking of student blogs, one trend that all three of the pundits pointed to in our interviews was students and teachers creating content in the classroom. That's a trend that we see all the time in stories that we cover. Students and teachers are increasingly creating their own learning through blogs or videos or other project-based techniques. Right, but I think it is important to ask this question, which is, how does student creation actually benefit the students? Mm. Okay, so yes, technology now allows teachers to allow students to create all of those different types of projects in the classroom. In fact, I'm writing an article right now about project-based learning. But should we be doing that? I mean really think what do the students get out of it yeah so when we asked jeff that question his response was straightforward you know we talked a lot in the last couple of years here about the term digital citizen and we originally referred to that as somebody who maybe has a website or is on social media now a digital citizen is somebody who is a you know creating this content for people what we need to do is to teach the students how to do it the right way. And when I say the right way, I don't necessarily mean the educational way, but, you know, look, we don't need to see what you had for lunch. But we do want to see what you can do with things. Can you use Periscope? Can you save that audio or video, put it into iMovie, edit it out, make something important? And we also put the question to Jason Bodner, an 11-year educator, newly promoted principal at Lincoln Middle High School in Cambridge City, Indiana, and host of the Principally Speaking podcast. Jason told us that emphasizing student creation can have an effect on students beyond just their years in school. I'm 35, I don't feel that old. But when I was in school, uh, there's, you know, I try to think what really stands out to me. And I, you know, I can't really come up with a whole lot right now, which is kind of sad, because I love school, I love learning, you know, and I think, you know, I had a, a decent time in school, but, you know, it comes to big projects and things that, you know, I guess one thing that stood out was when I did a, uh, a debate, like a classroom, uh, like a, a mock trial situation type thing. It was something different and something out there that, that put the kids in the front and center, and now with all the tech, I, I think that's something that's going to continue to take off, you're just going to see more and more students that are creating amazing things um, at an even younger age and getting their voice out there. So true. I mean, I, I literally think I remember every single science fair project that I did throughout <laughs> throughout middle school. I remember my eighth grade project, I created a centrifuge awesome. to spin materials around and separate them. And I'll never forget one of the test tubes actually broke. 
and hit my dad in the face. He was fine. It was terrifying. There's no uranium in that. There was no uranium. That's Luckily, good. it was just um, vinegar and a couple of other things. Um, but I really do remember the projects and what I learned cr- from yeah. them. And these things stick with you. Yeah. And Jason talked also about how creating materials, it's not just about improving experiences in the classroom. District leaders can use these same tools to improve the district as a whole. And we've got teachers creating, we've got um, administrators creating. More and more leaders are modeling that, and that's something that I, you know, try to do with my own show. It's an open window into the classroom uh, for the parents and the community. I think we've, you know, there's no excuse to have a, a school that's, yeah, it's got windows, but they might as well be covered up, and nobody really knows what's going on inside there. You know, it's just kind of a, a eight-hour, seven-hour day, and we come home, and what did you do today? Nothing. Here's your dinner. You know, <laughs> go play video games. We have too many opportunities for kids to showcase what's really going on in the schools and then for leaders to turn around and, and, and basically create a snapshot of what's going on in that school. Um, and I think that's a huge benefit. Okay, so we've heard about a couple of larger trends, ed camps and the non-standardized professional development they create, as well as the student creation movement. But I want to focus on specific tools for a second. Yeah. So what did our podcaster friends predict will be the next big thing in EdTech tools? So to a man, they all had the same answer. Google. Ah. And why do they predict that Google tools will continue to take the education world by storm? Here's Jason again. They're just so, it's just so user friendly. Um, if you want to get in there and build a, a survey on Google Forms, it takes about five minutes. I think to myself of using that um, survey monkey not too long ago, which there's nothing wrong with it, but... A Google form is just like click a button, click a button, and you're done. And they've got a lot of stuff figured out. And of course, there's one thing that we always hear people say about Google tools, namely this. It's free. <laughs> and as, as I've said many times uh, in presentations and on the show, uh, free is my favorite four-letter F word. That's Chris Nessie, our third and final podcaster today. I am uh, Chris Nessie. I host the House of EdTech podcast. So all three of our guests today made the point about the freeness of Google Apps. Jason also talked about, hey, what other tool can do so much and cost so little? Even when you purchase a Chromebook to go along with your Google tools, it's still relatively not that expensive. Yep, each of them was pretty excited uh, when it came to Google and also mentioned the old, you know, Google versus Apple versus Microsoft debate, which we've showcased on the podcast in the past. Um, Each one of them talked about how, when they talk to educators, Google seems to really be winning the battle in education. The tools are cheap, they're totally cloud-based, and you can use them on any sort of hardware, from an iPad to a desktop computer. And there was one final topic that all three of the podcast hosts agreed on. It is difficult to manage the change that comes when technology is introduced to a school. Chris Nessie actually summed it up really well. There's a comic that I've seen recently where it's a two-frame comic, and the top frame is a man in the front of what we'll say is a group of teachers or educators saying out to the crowd, who wants change? And everybody in the crowd, their hand is up and they're excited, and the one-speech balloon in unison is saying, yes, us, we want change to that effect. And then the next panel of the comic says, the guy says, who wants to change? Everybody's head is down. Everybody's hand is down. So... As teachers, overall, unfortunately, we want change, but it's very hard to teach old dogs new tricks. Pick, pick your analogy, pick your, your, your phrase. Um, 
it's difficult to change people's minds and introduce new things. And managing change is tough enough by itself. It's even harder when you're trying to manage it in a new location with new colleagues. We asked both Jeff and Jason, who are starting new roles this school year, to weigh in on managing change in a new situation. First you'll hear Jeff, and then Jason. Whenever you walk into a situation, getting into the classroom and, and you know get, having people get comfortable with you is always the trouble. Being a new principal in a completely new area, um, there are some awesome things going on in my area, and I can talk about that too, but that's not ed tech related. But, you know, I want to go in and do this, 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 and this, and I've got to, got to be careful not, you know, here's my 20,000 new ideas. So I'm going to, you know, the big part of, for, for me is going down to this new district in school and and being passionate and, and sharing things, but taking and tapping into the passions of the people that are there, you know. And, and they are not necessarily going to be 33 teachers that want to start a podcast and that type of thing. But maybe there's one. Change is really, really, really hard. It is. It's hard in any organization. It really we is. We experience that at, at EdSurge, too. Mary Jo, I'm curious, in your time as a teacher, as an administrator, is there an example that you have of a time that somebody really managed change in your school well? Well, you know, I have a big example of uh, an opportunity that change was sort of thrust upon us when we actually, my first year of teaching, we lost our principal about halfway through the school year. Mm -hmm. And the adaption to change was actually placed more dramatically on the teachers and the students than anybody else. And I think the biggest thing it came down to was we really just had to continue to remind the students that even though um, a big member of the administration was leaving, that we were all sticking it out and that we would continue to to vocalize those values that I taught for a KIPP school. Um, we would continue to vocalize those values that KIPP stood for no matter what happened. Mm. So I think the kids appreciated that because they felt like even if they lost somebody, the rest of us were still very much there for them. Yeah, and that's uh, so true. Managing the, the culture of the adults is, is hard enough. And yeah. You throw children into that and it gets infinitely more difficult. It's amazing how difficult it is to run schools <laughs> at the end of the day. But it's always definitely an opportunity for growth. And actually, there is one final, final trend that was discussed for 2015. It's going to impact people right around the end of the year. But I'm going to let Jeff Bradbury take this one. How excited are you for The Force Awakens? I have a poster on my wall in the front of my office that's of Darth Vader, and it's Darth Vader pointing, almost like Uncle Sam, and it's just, I want you to join the orchestra. I, I am a Star Wars person. If, I, if this was video, I have a three-feet-tall bust, a Lego bust of Darth Maul, and I have the full-size Lego Yoda. And, yeah, I'm kind of excited about it. <laughs> Star Wars, I'm so excited, too. Yeah, I don't know if everybody was expecting that that was going to be the big trend. <laughs> but it's going to be great. And my bet is that you're going to see some major Star Wars backpacks and notebooks and everything else starting right around Thanksgiving. And if I was back in my science classroom, I would absolutely have a themed unit around Star Wars. Absolutely. I mean, physics, come on. <laughs> okay, that's it for today. You can hear more from Jeff Bradbury on a number of shows he does on the TeacherCast network at teachercast.net. Hear more from Jason Bodner on the Principally Speaking podcast at principallyspeaking.com. And you can find Chris Nessie's podcast, House of EdTech, at chrisnessie, C-H-R-I-S-N-E-S-I.com. You can also find all of these shows on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcast. 
We'll link to all three of those shows in our article for this show. And a big thanks to all three of those guys for being our guests on the show today. And thanks also to Kerry Gallagher, Patricia Brown, and of course, all of the other writers who contributed to Ed Surge this week. And we mentioned this last week, but hey, we'll say it again. If you have ever thought of working at EdSurge, now is the time to act. We are looking for 10 team members to join us. 10, that's so many new team members. That's like, I think, the biggest big group that we've ever hired in one fell swoop. We're looking for reporters, for growth hackers, for community managers, and everything in between. So just take a look at our jobs board, edsurge.com slash jobs, or head to workable.edsurge.com. And if you want to work with us, just to let you know, you do get an awesome green hoodie and it's beautiful and so comfortable. I sleep in mine sometimes. That's weird. Maybe that's too much information. But anyways, moving on. Finally, thanks to all of you for listening to this show. You rock, subscribe, and let us know what you think. We love all of you. You guys are awesome. And also thanks to the people listening on Periscope while we recorded this. (laughs) That was a lot of fun. All right. I'm Michael Winters. And I'm Mary Jomata. We'll see you next week. This is the Ed Surge Podcast.